Thank you so much, Pastor. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 this afternoon. Verse number 24. Verse number 24. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse number 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We all have major and minor equations that we need to figure out in our lives. We all have different decisions depending on what place in life we are what stage in life we are, where we need to glorify God in those decisions. And there's a symbol that we learned back in elementary school that helps us solve these life equations, these decisions that come to us every single day. And I don't know if we even realized it when we were sitting in the classroom in elementary school and we were sitting and listening to the teacher point out this this special symbol and write it up on the chalkboard. I don't think we even realized this significance of it. How many of you remember the greater than symbol? Now, when I was in school, in elementary school, my teacher taught it with the alligator. Do you remember that? The alligator would always open his mouth to the greater number. And throughout school, we would solve those equations and we would have these different tests and quizzes. And little did we know that that one symbol would influence the rest of our lives. You see, we always have a choice of what we are going to live for. Are we going to live for something greater? Now, the the theme throughout Hebrews is that Jesus is greater than everything we could possibly imagine. Chapter number one, he's greater than the angels. Chapter three, he's greater than Moses. Chapters four and five, he's greater than a high priest. Chapter seven, he's greater than Melchizedek. Chapter eight, he's greater than the law. Chapter nine, he's greater than the tabernacle. Chapter 10, he's greater than Old Testament sacrifices. And now as we approach Hebrews chapter 11, we meet a man who realized that Jesus was greater than anything that this world has to offer. Very quickly this afternoon, let's look at three equations in Moses' life that helped him pass the test. The first equation I see is in verse number 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The first equation this afternoon is that the people of God are greater than the pleasures of sin. Listen to the word of God. Describe the people of God in Psalm 84, 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25 has become a dear verse to us as churches throughout America in the past year, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. First Peter 2, 9 describes the 
people of God as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Moses understood at a very early age that the people of God are greater than the pleasures of sin. Now, consider the people of God that we're talking about here, though. Do you remember the stories? Wandering in the wilderness. Do you remember how they wanted to kill him one time? Do you remember how uh, they rebelled against him? Do you remember how they constantly complained and murmured against him for 40 years in the wilderness? These were the people of God that Moses chose to be with. And let us remember this afternoon that the people of God are far from perfect. There is no perfect member of a church. There is no perfect Christian. We're all striving towards one goal together. But with all of our imperfections, the people of God are still greater than the pleasures of sin. Job chapter 20 verse number 5 describes the pleasure of sin, that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment. The Bible reminds us in verse 25 that the pleasures of sin are but for a season. Isaiah 21 4 describes my heart panted, fearfulness affrighted me, the night of my pleasure hath he turned unto fear unto me. We have to realize as Christians that as we live in a society and a culture today who elevates the pleasures of sin that we need to place a higher priority on the people of God than the pleasures of sin. There's a celebrity who lives about an hour away from Lancaster down in Beverly Hills and he said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything that they have ever dreamed of doing so that they can see that it's not the answer. That man is Jim Carrey, someone who has all of the world's wealth and popularity at his fingertips, but yet says, I wish everyone could experience this level of wealth and this level of popularity so that they could realize that there is still a God-sized hole in my heart. Teenager this afternoon, don't live for the pleasures of this world. Don't get trapped in those traps of Satan. Oh yes, you're going to have people who are experimenting in different pleasures of this world, but God give us a generation this afternoon who will say no to the pleasures of sin and realize that the people of God are greater than the pleasures of sin. Let's look at the second equation very quickly in verse number 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. The second equation I see is a little deeper. Not only are the people of God greater than the pleasures of sin, but I also see secondly, the reproach of Christ is greater than the riches of Egypt. In February 16, 1923, a man named Howard Carter was in Egypt digging for and searching for the famed King Tut's tomb. He had searched for 31 years and had found nothing. And just as the moment as he was writing back to his sponsor saying, I think I'm going to quit. I think I'm going to give up on this search. On February the 16th, 1923 in Thebes, Egypt, he discovered King Tut's tomb, a tomb that had sat intact for 3,000 years. And inside of that tomb, there was obviously Tut interred in a solid gold tomb. And he was surrounded by a quarter of a 
billion dollars worth of treasure, $250 million worth of treasure just in his tomb. I think that gives us perspective on the treasures that Moses had access to in Pharaoh's palace. He could have lived a very easy life. He could have had all of the riches of the most powerful empire of his day. He could have had it easy, but we're thankful tonight that Moses decided that the reproach of Christ was greater than the riches of Egypt. Hebrews 13, 13 tells us, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. I think of Chinese Christians today who are bearing the reproach of Christ in their land. I think of an article that Senator Ted Cruz shared a few weeks ago describing how Christians were taken off of the streets in China and taken and gagged and taken into dark basements underneath buildings and tortured until they would renounce the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, we're not talking about World War II here. We're not talking about the Dark Ages or the Roman Empire. We're talking about today Christians who are willing to bear the reproach of Christ. And what my question is for you this afternoon, are you willing to bear the reproach of Christ here in America? Are you willing to set aside the riches of this world and bear the reproach of Christ? I think of in the first century how many of those first century Christians were part of guilds that worshipped false idols and false gods and they decided that they were not going to be a part of that. They had to give up their careers. They had to give up all of their wealth to serve Christ in the first century and we might have a decision that we need to make as well as 21st century Christians that we're not going to live for the riches of this world. We are going to bear the reproach of Christ. Psalm 37, 16, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Proverbs 23, 5, wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. How many of you can relate to that on payday when you're paying your bills? Ephesians 3, 8 tells us though, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches, not of this world, but of Christ. Christ. John D. Rockefeller said, I have made my millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Cornelius Vanderbilt said, the care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. John Jacob Astor, a millionaire who died on the Titanic, said, I am the most miserable man on earth. J. Paul Getty said, what can I say? I only know that I am desolate. Henry Ford said, I was happier doing a mechanic's job. Andrew Carnegie said, millionaires never smile. You see, if those men who live their lives for the riches of this world could stand in front of you this afternoon, they would tell you, don't invest your life in the riches of this world that will make themselves wings and fly away as eagles toward heaven. Live for the reproach of Christ. I meet teenagers who have various scholarships to go to a secular university and sit in the seat of the scornful. And yet we need some teenagers tonight who will go and to serve God and say, I don't need the scholarships. I don't need the riches of this world. I'm not going to live for a career. I'm not going to live for my 401k. I'm not going to live for investments. No, I'm going to invest my life in something greater. There are greater riches. There are eternal riches. There are timeless riches. There are unending riches, riches that will not fade away, riches where moths can't corrupt, riches where thieves can't break in and steal. There are no security systems. There are no ring cameras. There are no, no 
guard dogs, lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. The third equation as we close to this afternoon is verse number 27. You see, if Moses understood these previous two equations, that was great. But without the third equation, we probably wouldn't be talking about Moses today. Look at verse number 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. You see, forsaking Egypt is greater than fearing the king. You see, Moses had a day where he had to decide. He had to not only understand that the people of God are greater than the pleasures of this world and not only understand that the reproach of Christ is greater than the riches of Egypt. No, he had to have a day where he had to actively make the decision and choose, but then forsake Egypt and not live in fear of the king. Pharaoh did everything he could to try to keep the Israelites back. He tried to compromise with them. He tried to make them stay in the land. He tried to have them not go very far away. He tried to have them leave their children. He tried to have them leave their stuff. And yet in Exodus 10, 29, Moses looks Pharaoh in the face and says, Thou hast spoken well. I will see thy face no more. And we need a generation of young people and older people together combined who will say to the world, who will say to the riches of Egypt, who will say to the pleasures of sin, I will see your face no more. I have something greater to do with my life. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Moses stood on Mount Sinai and said, who is on the Lord's side? Joshua stood in Shechem and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Elijah stood on Mount Carmel and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? Choose you this day whom you will serve. John the Baptist at the Jordan said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And all throughout the word of God, we hear a call for action, a call for not only a decision, but a forsaking of Egypt. How did Moses have this discernment at such a young age? How did he know how to get the equations right? Did, was he like peeking on the person's test next to him? How did he figure this out? Well, he had a cheat sheet. And it's the last part of verse number 27. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Matthew Henry said, by faith, we see this invisible God we may be fully assured of his existence, of his providence, and of his gracious and powerful presence with us. Such a sight of God will enable believers to endure to the end whatever they may meet with on the way. How did Moses have this discernment? He had a glimpse of the invisible. Christian, when you see God face to face, and when you spend time with him, and when you begin to live for him, you're going to see the invisible. And guess what? You see the riches of this world. It's not a hard decision. You see the pleasures of sin. It's not a hard decision. You see people living in fear of the king of this world. It's not a hard decision. God give us Christians today who will see the invisible and who will live for something greater. Let us pray.